We're your hosts, Lizzie Kondravi and Brooke Volkert, and welcome to the All-American Dream Podcast. Today, we welcome our guest, Kyle Lubeck from Lubeck Geisler Ham Wealth Management. Kyle has been in the wealth planning industry for nearly a decade and has owned his own fiduciary wealth management firm for most of that time. He also is an avid believer in owning real estate as a portion of your portfolio and currently owns numerous investment properties, which is why we think he is a great guest on the All American Dream podcast. So today we're going to talk about planning your wealth aspirations on a variable income, which is such a hot topic for members of the real estate industry, especially during these unprecedented times that we're living in right now. Kyle, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, One of the questions I wanted to jump on in and start with is what sets Lubeck Wealth Management apart from the crowd, from the others? Oh, uh, good question. Um, Well, what we feel sets us apart is as a fiduciary advisory group, um, you know, our onus is to our clients. We're not attached to any one company. Um, We can be true fiduciaries in the sense that we have to ask in their best interest all the time. Um, it's become kind of a hot button topic word in the uh, media, et cetera. And I always joke with my clients that we were doing that before it was cool, um, which is which is always fun. Um, but we really try and strive to sit on the same side of the table as our clients as they're looking at different options out in the industry and when it comes to their financial life. Um, our tagline or our mission statement, whatever you want to call it, um, is to create a financial legacy that transcends our client's generation. We really believe in community impact. Thank you. Um, yeah, we, we really want to, you know, have those conversations with our clients saying, Hey, you've worked really hard. We feel that you are able to maintain a good standard of living as you transition from your working years into retirement. What do you want to do beyond that? What's important to you, your kids, um, you know, religious uh, groups, um, foundations, charities, you know, um, we always choke anything but the government, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause they're, they're first in line if you do nothing. Oh my gosh, um, I love that. <laughs> and so we, we, we like having those conversations and, and that's where, you know, we sat down with our team, um, down at our local luckies and said, what, what is our mission? And, and that's something that really was important to each one of our team members. So. So what made yeah. you like so passionate about wealth management? Because I think, I mean, you don't necessarily grow up as a little kid saying like, I want to own my own wealth management firm, unless you did. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely, definitely did not. Um, and, and I wouldn't even call it a passion, um, more than like a curiosity and fascination. So I grew up in a little farm town in Northern Minnesota. Um, a lot of, uh, it's a big farming community and nobody really had kind of the, uh, wealth that I see down in, in some of the, the cities and the suburb, uh, suburbs of, of the twin cities here. Um, and so it was, I got to see kind of both the highs and the lows and kind of the struggles, but it was true middle America up there. And through some of those struggles as a, as a young kid, um, that I saw or experienced, I was just fascinated. Like, why is this person experiencing this, uh, outcome versus someone else? And, as I got older, I, I was, you know, coached by my parents, hey, get in with a good company, climb the corporate ladder. You know, I went the Target route for a while, and I learned I was the worst employee ever to be hired. I do not listen well when it comes to uh, corporate structure. <laughs> so I said, well, I should probably figure out what I should do outside of that. 
and um, started talking to a couple different local firms and, and I just thought it might be something that would scratch that itch. And over time, and as I've been able to experience a lot of our clients, um, you know, trials and successes, it allowed me to mature and grow up way faster than some of my peers because I got to hear where other people failed or succeeded. And I was able to do that in my own life and also share that message with other clients and accelerate their learning curve. So it just, it was this growth pattern that was really cool that, you know, I, you know, I go on monster just to kind of see what, you know, work is out there. Not that I'd ever leave or anything, but just to kind of familiarize myself with what the new job titles are, et cetera. And none of those I feel really gives me the life experience and exposure to different situations that this industry does. So That's awesome. Yeah, truly. I mean, now do you work with people in the real estate industry? Yep. Um, We have uh, many, many clients uh, who are are realtors or attached to the real estate industry. Um, It's, you know, uh, I appreciate the introduction. It is also a passion of mine. I do rentals uh, myself under a different um, corporate structure and you guys have a very unique situation where you work for us, especially in Minnesota with our, our four seasons, you know, there's definitely seasons of work and seasons that are a little bit slower. And so there's a lot of financial uh, intentionality that needs to happen with folks in this industry because of the seasons of, you know, um, make hay when the sun shines and then, you know, during the winter months, it slows down. So, um, yeah, we do have a lot of of clients in the industry. And so just like you mentioned with like the four seasons, obviously it goes up and down. So what would you Mm -hmm. say people's number one concern is when they come to you for help? Like, is it that up and down, not knowing how to manage the variability of it? I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think you're, you're, you're definitely on the right track. And, and um, I thought about this a little bit before our call today and, and you know, getting through all the, the bull crap and all the stuff that people come in and, and talk to us, it almost always comes down to, am I going to be okay? That's what they want to know. If yep. what I'm doing, if what I'm saving, if the, yeah, I mean, I get, call sometimes from clients saying, am I even working in the right industry? And I'm like, well, I can't solve that problem for you. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's not me. You got, you got to get your favorite bottle of wine in a mirror and sit down and have a conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we, that's the core of what a lot of people ask us. And if they have, um, you know, an issue with something or if they're excited about something, it's because it's answering that question. And so we spend a lot of time trying to understand and that's something I would, I would suggest you know, listening to this to do is sit down and, and figure out if what you're doing is going to make you okay. Okay. And what your version of okay is, is different for every person, right? Um, I have some clients that say, I want to bounce my last check. And then some who say they want to leave every penny they can to their kids or some, you know, group or whatever is important to them. And so if you can understand and, and, and really put down on pen and paper that you're okay. That is an amazing, amazingly freeing experience. And that gives you permission to go out and, um, you know, take that vacation, buy that vehicle you've always wanted, you know, get a cabin, take care of your parents, whatever situation you're going through it. You got to feel okay with where you're at before you can worry about others and make life changing decisions in those areas. That must feel like so wonderful to, and like, 
gratifying to like help people get to what their dream is or what they, you know, what their okay is. Is there like Mm -hmm. a particular thing, like a favorite thing that you like to work with people on? Oh, I love working with a lot of people on stuff. Um, (laughs) But um, I think my favorite thing to work with people on is actually definitive written goal planning. So it's kind of similar to my last, you know, the last question, but um, there was a a wonderful Harvard study um, done in 1979 and it's been disputed by different scientific, you know, people, but you know, the the math and the the story still rings true today. Um, They did this study where they took these Harvard um, students and they had them write down what their goals are. And they found that 84% couldn't articulate what their goals even were. 13%, were able to write down what their goals were, but they had no plan of how to attain that. And 3% wrote down their their goals and had a plan of how to execute. Only 3%? So, only 3%. Wow. Um, and and that, those numbers are, are disputed by different scientific folks, but at the end of the day, it's pretty darn close, you know, small margin of error at that one. And what they did is they came back and they looked at their incomes down the road. Because again, you go to Harvard to get, access to good people and, you know, good jobs and all that fun stuff. Right. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously the study here a little bit, but they found that off of the 84% that didn't write it down and had no plan, the ones, the 13% who wrote, wrote down their goals, but didn't have a plan were made twice as much as the other 84%. Wow. And the three, and the 3% that wrote down goals and had a pl- written plan to execute made almost 10 times as much. And so what that told me, and it stuck with me when I heard it back in the day, was everyone goes through the same amount of pain as they're growing up, right? And when you graduate, if we all go through the same amount of pain, the only thing you can control is how fast you get through that pain. And that's up to every individual person on how fast they learn, how fast they grow, what they read, what they absorb, um, you know, and what then they implement. And that's what I think a lot of people fail on, especially when I talk to younger, um, whether it's realtors or other, you know, families or, or folks, is they read a ton, they get, they're, they're, they're super data intensive smart, but it's the application that gets missed sometimes. And, and knowing a lot of stuff without any action does you no good. You know, you're still going to lose to someone who doesn't know as much, but acts on that information. And, and so that's what we really try and push people to do. And, and I encourage people to do is focus on what your goals are, write them down and say, I am going to do this. And then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And it's going to be boring. I can tell you right now, the exercise isn't overly fun. The goal writing is fun. Yeah. The execution part is a lot harder um, because it, it really requires, you know, intentionality, persistence, resistance to outside, you know, um, issues or hurdles that may arise. You gotta just, you gotta have a laser focused vision on where you're trying to go. And you may try something and and fail and try something and fail, but you gotta find the right path. And, and, you know, there's a million books written out there. There's a ton of motivational speakers that talk on this topic, but it's, it's so true. And there's no fancy way around hard work. Yeah, I'm very goal oriented and I love writing like every year I have like business goals and professional goals and I'm very, I love that. And I love that tip if to all our listeners, if you don't have goals, not going to make that money. (laughs) Seriously, like I think part of the reason why I am who I am today is because Lizzie is like, 
write down your 30, 60, 90 day goals. Like let's talk about them personal and professional. Cause I think it's like super important. And like, that's the thing about wealth is like, it is so personal and professional. And I mean, it, it all af- ties in, it all ties into like literally everything, but it's, yeah, I just, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. So you might as well like set a goal and like work towards it. Um, so well, that's Wayne Gretzky and then also Michael Scott. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> okay. So, um, you say like setting goals and I would, you know, I would say, like you said, that's kind of the first thing to kind of start mm-hmm. with. Can you give us yep. some examples of like what those action steps look like? So like, does that look, stay like looking for a different job? Is that what you mean by the boring yep. stuff versus the goals? Yeah. So writing goals, you know, as an example, let's say, um, as a, I'm sitting, you know, sitting with a young family and say, I want to have a cabin so that I can bring my kids to within X number of years. Okay. Right. And so people, people always come to me at first and they say, you know what, we'd really love to get a cabin. I'm like, great. You'd love to. When? First question I ask, when? You got to put a deadline on it, right? You know, for those of us that went to school, when did we start studying for that test? The end of the semester test. (laughs) Right? The week before, right? Nobody starts the day you start taking the class. You you know, you cram at the end of the thing. I mean, that's just human nature in most instances. And so if you set a deadline, then you can back it up and start to figure out the action steps. Because four plus zero is four. Three plus one is four and two plus two is four. So there's a lot of different ways to get to the same end goal. And so when they say, all right, I want a cabin in the next five years. Perfect. Um, then we got to, then you got to do math. And, and I can't believe how many people struggle with basic math. Oh, don't ask that us. In a loving way. Um, but I always, you know, um, say, all right, well, what, what do you want to spend on it? Well, I don't know. Like, well, you probably want to figure out how much you're going to need you know, do you want to pay cash for it or do you want to put, you know, get a loan to help pay for it? Do you want to fix it up? Do you want to walk in ready thing? Um, do you, you know, there's all those questions that we, you've got to define. And once you have a clear picture of that and say, okay, I need $50,000 sitting in my bank account on this date to be able to go out and actively look for the cabin that I want. Great. Then we can back up and say, based on that, this is the behavior we need to do to get to that 50,000, you know, and the mistake people make is sometimes those numbers to do that are higher or harder than they thought in their head. And I've had a lot of people say, well, maybe we want to move it back to seven years or maybe, we want, you know, and then we can start pulling the levers and I'm not just talking finance. This could apply to anything in your life, but you can start pulling the different levers. All right. Do we extend how long we have to save for that goal? Do we increase the amount we save per month to reach the goal in the time frame we want? Do we need to take on more risk in our life to be able to save more or um, chase higher uh, investment returns during that period? You know, there's just so many different factors you can then fiddle with to get to that end goal. Does that make sense? Yeah. The only thing I um, will ask is next time you have that conversation with them, ask them if they have a great title company that they're working with. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. Okay, yeah, so, no. so for like real estate agents though, where it is variable mm-hmm. and they don't know how much they might have monthly to save up for that cabin, what would you say is a strategy that they can work with? Um, well, I, I think there's a very definitive order of operations when it comes to the financial side of preparation, whether you're in real estate, working as a W-2 at Best Buy, whatever your working situation is, is 
you know, number one, make sure you have an emergency fund in place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, if you pile everything into, I mean, and again, from someone who invests both in the stock market and in the real estate world, if all of a sudden an emergency pops up and you need cash quickly, real estate's not really good at getting you cash quickly because it's a fairly illiquid asset. And the market, I mean, it might be, you know, the worst day in the market in 10 years, like we experienced a couple weeks, you know, a month and a half ago, right. um, and may not be the greatest time to sell your shares of Apple or whatever you have. So make sure you get that emergency fund up and running. Um, you know, a good rule of thumb is one to three months to start, but in the real estate world, I push it up to, you know, pushing six months because of the vari variability, variability of your um, income. And then um, after that, it's that goal setting and what's important. Right. If if that purchase of that cabin completely derails your goal for retirement, as an example, well, maybe you need to either make more money, <laughs> spend less on the cabin, save more for retirement. You know, then you can, again, math solves a lot of problems. And so emergency fund to start. And then after that, you'll be able to back into and say, all right, what's the next step beyond that? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I meet a lot of folks um, that want in the real estate world that say, oh, I want to build this huge investment portfolio of, of um, real estate. And I go, great. Where are you going to start? I love that. What's Thank the, you. What, you know, what's the first, what's the first piece? How much do you got saved? How much do you have sitting in the bank account? How much are you willing to risk in, in an investment property? And, you know, I mean, I just bought one in November and we had, $14,000 worth of repairs in the first three months. Um, um, you know, can you purchase that property and afford that type of outflow, right. uh, um, fix up thing and be able to pay your personal mortgage or rent or whatever and buy food and insurance. And, you know, it starts to add up. And when you put real numbers to stuff, that's when the conversations get hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they need to happen. And, they, and, and once people go through that first little fire conversation, they come on on the other side, maybe a little singed, but now they're prepared for action. Yes. That makes sense. Absolutely. So we ask kind of everyone on our podcast this question, but what is your favorite podcast? Well, other than yours, I mean, the All American Dream. <laughs> yeah. You know, number one on the list. Um, but uh, I'm a big fan of Jocko Willick. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but uh, the Jocko podcast, um, he's a, uh, uh, and, and, you know, he was in the military. He, he was very big in the Afghanistan um, conflict. And he's just a very real guy. He tells it like it is. Um, I've seen him speak a couple times, uh, shook his hand. You know, I'm, I'm about pushing about six foot six, and he's, he's a little bit shorter than me. So it was really fun to take a picture with him. Um, <laughs> I got a picture of him just looking up at me, you know, and he's just jacked. He's, he's just clearly works out way more than I do. Um, but uh, he's got some really good comp content on there. Um, it's just real talk. And I think a lot of people like him because of, of just the directness he has come through this stuff. Yeah, being real. And yeah. um, for our listeners, where can they find you? Um, well, we're located, uh, we have an office here in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. We also have um, an office uh, being built out in Milwaukee right now. We have clients all over the country. Um, my direct email is kyle at lghwealth.com. And uh, you can also look this up at lghwealth.com uh, from a website perspective as well. So, you know, pretty accessible, just like a lot of places. But, uh, you know, we're here to 
um, answer these questions and, and, you know, help anyone who wants that kind of CFO, CFO role in their, you know, household or business or whatever they're dealing with. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Kyle, for being here. We hope this information has been helpful for all of our listeners. And as always, we will put this information as well as Kyle's contact information in the show notes. So don't forget to review and subscribe. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, ladies. I, I appreciate you having me on today. Thank you.